Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. ready for Christmas? Me too. Christmas is a season of surprises. Everybody say surprises. How many of you like surprises? You like them? You know, I love to be surprised. How many of you do not care for surprise? You don't want to be surprised about any. Okay, there's the control freaks right there. No, no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. On, I think it's the older you get. How, how many of you know life gives you enough surprises by itself? How many of you got teenagers? You're, you're lining up for surprises, baby. No, surprises. And, and, and so I, I'm, I'm on the don't surprise me. I, I'm, not, I'm not a surprise person. Uh, and so, but, but I want to talk about surprises because they come. Sometimes they're good ones and sometimes life gives you surprises that you weren't expecting. And uh, you, you almost feel like you got punched in the gut. And you go, what do I do with this? And I, I want to talk a little bit about that. Yes, uh, Friday, we had this, Heidi had this great idea. We got guests coming over, and I'm sure you do too. You're preparing menus and all that you have to do, all the trappings that are around this season uh, that you kind of feel like you have to. You got to buy presents for people you don't even like. Uh, I'm teasing. Uh, or don't you, this is free, by the way. When somebody gets you something and you didn't get them anything, yeah, then you feel like you got to run to Walgreens at midnight, you know? It's like... Got to go get them something. Um, thank God for gift cards. Amen. Uh, I, we, we have guests coming. We got to prepare for the guests that are coming over, you know, for, to stay with us for a few days. And family, you, you got you to have them. And uh, so we're, we're getting ready. And Heidi goes, okay, Friday, she goes, this is what I want to do. We got that one bedroom. That right now, it just has a blow-up mattress in it. And so what I want to do is I want to go take that other bed, that extra bed that we have. I want to move that upstairs into that room. Can you help me, baby? And I go, uh, okay, let's do it. Let's go. So we, we, we get rolling. Well, it's just me and Heidi. It's a big wooden bed. It's heavy. It's all this mattresses, box springs, queen size. And then her and I trying to get upstairs with this thing. What we thought was going to be about 45 minutes or an hour took us about three hours to get everything done to a leave later, <laughs> to a leave. And uh, we're hitting stuff, walls, and we're just trying to get this up. And we, 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 get, we get it up. And then she's like, okay, so we're going to put this bed up here till now. But one day in the future, if we ever get a new bed, because I really want a king-size bed. We've never had a king-size bed, ever. We've only had queens, because I like being close to her. And she's like, <laughs> and she's like, no, stay on your side. And so... She goes, and then one day when we, get, when we get our new bed, one day, one day in the future, in the future, if the Lord blesses us and we get a new bed, this is what we're going to do. Then we're going to go back upstairs and we're going to take that bed down and we're going to put it back. And we're going to take this bed and we're going to move it up there because we'll have a new bed. I'll say, okay, baby, one day, that's fine, that's fine. We're, we're leaving it. Later that afternoon, she said, could you go check the mail? The, our mailbox is a ways away from the house, so... My dogs, they like to ride in the side-by-side, so I them, let's go, go check the mail. And they jump in the side-by-side, and we drive down to the mailbox. I have my phone with me, and there's these two big old boxes out by our mailbox. Now, she's gone crazy on Amazon Prime. I don't know if any of y'all, how many Amazon Prime people in the room right now? Uh-oh, half the church, dear Lord. I know, man, you can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them. I mean, there's stuff. Stop by the mail, get the boxes. What boxes? Well, I ordered something. We need it. No, you don't need it. You want it. So, baby, you know there's stuff. And they'll do stuff. Men, they'll do this. I'm telling you, they'll do, you watch them. They'll do this. They'll come out with a new outfit. And you'll, this is what they do. They order it on Amazon, whatever, wherever. Get it. Take it off. Put it in their closet. Don't touch it for at least 30 days. It needs to mature. <laughs> then they'll put it on and you'll say, oh, that's a new dress, outfit. Where did you get that? And she'll say, oh, I've had this 
evil. We are so on to you. So I pull up. There's these two big boxes. I'm looking at this thing. What in the heck has she done? And I'm looking at, what is it? And it's heavy. And I call her and go, Heidi, I just broke my back moving a bed. Did you order a mattress? No. There's a mattress out here, a queen-size mattress. What? No, and, and another box with a topper. Cool, uh, one of those cool toppers. Did you order that? No. You're lying. I am not. Bring it. Let's see. It's, I don't know. So I load it up. Load it up. Drive it up there. We open it up, and it says, surprise. And it's a gift from a dear friend. And they said, we know you, you're, you're getting your house together. And we just, we, Merry Christmas. Yeah, that's what you're thinking. That's not what I'm thinking. Because she looks at it and goes, okay, so Monday, can we move that bed back to where it came from? Uh-uh. Big boy ain't moving that bed again. Last night, all day yesterday, did you call William yet? Do you think William would mind? Can you get a friend? And we could pay him. I'm throwing money at him. I don't care. I ain't moving that bed. How many of you know it's the principle that counts? I ain't moving that bed. Surprise. Oh, surprises coming off shapes and sizes. Remember when you first found out that you were going to have a baby? The baby surprise? Remember that? I can remember like it was yesterday. Heidi walked out with the little thing. I don't even want to know what y'all do with that thing. I don't know. I don't know how you do it. But she walks out and she says, look, it's... We're, we're going to have baby. baby. Baby surprise changes everything, doesn't it? Can I get an amen from the kind For those who've had baby, everything changes with baby. You look different after baby. Everybody looks different after baby. Daddies, mamas, daddies, everybody looks different after baby. Uh, you sleep different after babies. Oh, yeah, I hear that. Uh, your, your house looks different after a baby. Your car looks different and smells different after a baby. How many men ever been vacuuming that back and you found, here's raisins back here, Cheerios. Or how about when you get under that car, when you get under the front passenger, the front seat, you get under there. And how many of you have ever found a French fry from McDonald's from two years ago? It's as hard as a rock, man. You could, you, you could use it for a nail if you needed one. Yeah, Christmas presents, everything looks different. Yeah, sometimes we, we romanticize and what it's going to be like. We do that with Christmas, too. We, we romanticize. We, we end up having little uh, scenes like we see over here of the nativity scene and what it was like. And we, we, we end up making it look more like a Hallmark movie when the truth is it was much closer to Lord of the Rings. Now, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the happy that we portray it as. In fact, it's not just about lights, angels, and shepherds. It's more about darkness, battles, and devils. And Christmas Eve, I'm going to share with you a little bit more just about that. But uh, today, I want to look at just the Easter, I mean, the Christmas story. I'm going to pick up right where we left off. Last week, I told you about the genealogy and about, remember I told you everybody, not everybody, but I showed you some of the some of the jacked up people in the lineage of Jesus, but yet Jesus and the Holy Spirit can change that and go from the cursings to blessing to generations to come and how Jesus is the chain breaker. And so and I encourage you that you could be the chain breaker to your genealogy, that it doesn't have to pass on to the next generation. The curse doesn't, but you could start the blessing. Can I get an amen, right? And so we're going to pick up this story, and I hope to, to bring it down to where you really get it probably a little closer to what it was. None of us were there, obviously, but let's don't romanticize it. Let's try to keep it raw and real, what it must have really been like. And so I want to share with you out of the book of Matthew, Matthew's account of the birth of Christ. And we'll also remember that it's also in Luke 1. You can read it from really Mary's side. Matthew chapter 1, picking up verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. 
when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, before they came together, that means before they were ever intimate, there was no intimacy between them. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, some versions say a righteous man, was unwilling to put her to shame. He resolved to divorce her quietly. This is a verse we normally don't pay much attention to in the story. And let's break that down just a little bit today. First of all, let's understand that they were betrothed together. And what does betrothed mean? That means where a mama and a daddy, Joseph's mom and daddy, who we don't know, the Bible doesn't say who they were, and Mary's mother and father, who the Bible doesn't let us know who they were, that probably Joseph and Mary grew up in the same village, it would be, to say, Appaloosas, grew up in Appaloosas, and two parents got together, probably at synagogue, at church one Sunday, and said, hey, I noticed you've got a daughter, and we've got a son. Hey, why don't we just work, the, we, we appreciate y'all's values, oh, we appreciate y'all's. Why don't we just put those two together? We think they would be a good match. We agree. We think they would too. So we're going to say that they're going to be married. How many of you are glad your mom and daddy didn't do that? How many? No, 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 no I'm going to ask it the other way. Uh, no, it's like, uh, I, 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 this is true, by the way. My parents chose Heidi before I chose Heidi. I'd actually broken up with her. I was like, yeah, there's more fish in the sea. And, and they're like... No, no, my mom would take Heidi's picture and put it on my Bible. Like, I'd open my nightstand to read my Bible at night, and there'd be a picture of Heidi, and I'd throw her in the back, and I'd read the Word. And then I'd put my Bible back down. Next day, I'd get out, I'd pull my, to get my Bible out. Next evening, and there'd be the picture of Heidi on top of my Bible, and I'd throw it to the back. And that just kept happening over and over and over again. My mom was working it. I'm telling you, the wiles. And uh, as you all know, they were right. I'm the most blessed man. I'm married to a lily among thorns. My puckered persimmon. Those are in the Bible, by the way, because you're wondering, like, that's weird. Anyway, so they betrothed them together. They were, they were betrothed. So they entered into the, what was called the espousal period. That means that it was one year from being betrothed, you start, the espousal, one year, and then you were actually married. What we would call today was the engagement. You know, today you, you put a ring on the finger and you say, will you marry me? And she agrees and you put the ring on and now you're engaged. It's, it's the commitment before the covenant, right? Because the wedding is where you make the covenant. That's where you're going to stand before the pastor, which rep is a representation of God, not God, but representation of and you're going to make a vow to one another, not just to one another. You actually make the wedding vow to God. Rich or poor, sick or health, till death do us part. You're actually making that vow to God as a covenant. So they're in that engagement or the espousal period. Y'all remember the conversations you used to have during those days? You Do you? I mean, do you really remember some of the conversations? You call each other up, hey, baby, what's she doing? Nothing, waiting on your call. What'd you do today? I, nothing. I was just thinking about you all day. What'd you do? I'd same. I was thinking about you. I couldn't wait for us to call tonight. Me neither. It's amazing. You're so awesome. I can hear you breathing. I can hear you breathing. I love to hear you breathing. How, how's the wedding plans going? Oh, it's good. We went and looked at dresses yesterday. Oh, you did? Had you find one? Oh, we found, we found so many. They're so expensive. And you go, I know, baby. Listen, it don't matter what dress you get, baby. You're going to make whatever dress you get look fine. It ain't the, it ain't the dress that makes a girl. It's the girl that makes a dress. Come on, baby. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you're so cute. You're so cute. I don't know. I got to lose five pounds before the wedding. Yeah, baby, you don't worry about it. You look good. I like the way you are. Just the way you are. Good. Well, I was thinking about our future. Yeah, it's so great. How many children do you want to have? I, I was thinking four. I was thinking three. Oh, that's good. We'll go three and a half. That'll be great. <laughs> that's so wonderful. Listen, listen. listen. I, oh, look, it's been two hours. Look, so I got to let you go. Okay, will you hang up? No, you hang up first. <laughs> no, I hung up first last time. You hang up first this time. 
Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. You ready? Okay, I love you. I love you too. I love you. I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to talk to you tomorrow. I can't wait to talk to you either. You're just so awesome. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and hang up now. Here I go. I'm going to. I'm going, whoa, whoa, one more thing. I love you. I love you too. I know. I just can't wait to see you, baby. I love you. I love you. Go, you hang up. Ready? One, two, three. Let's hang up at the same time. I'm going to count to three and then we'll hang up. One, two, three. Ready? Did you? You didn't hang up, did you? No, you didn't either. Okay. You remember that? Now Hattie's like, get on your side! You think Mary and Joseph had those conversations? What's it going to be like? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then all of a sudden you get to Luke chapter 1 and an angel of the Lord shows up at her residence. Not just any angel. The Bible tells us who the angel was. It was Gabriel. Gabriel's not just any angel. Gabriel is known as the archangel. He's the angel of angels. He's in charge of the angels. God said, this is so important. I'm not sending just any angel. I'm sending the angel. I'm Gabriel. And if you read Luke 1, you're going to find out the first thing he says to her, Mary, do not be afraid. Because if an angel shows up at your house, you're going to be afraid. And he says to her, you're blessed and highly favored. And the scripture even says that she wonders, what kind of greeting is this? What? But I am blessed. An angel shows up in my house and he tells her what's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to be with child. And she asks. She asks the question, how? God, never mind you asking. How? I'm a virgin. How could this be? So the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and the child that's going to be in your belly is going to be conceived from the Lord. It's going to be the seed of God. In fact, he's going to be the savior of the world. He will take away the sins of the world. What a greeting. Now, but here's the reality. She got to talk to Joseph. I wonder if she's going, what is Joseph going to do? In fact, I can imagine the next phone call. Hey, baby. Joseph. Uh-huh. We need to talk. Every man hates to hear, we need to talk. Just so you'll know, ladies. We need to talk. Well, what did I do? No, 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 you didn't do anything. I just, we need to talk. Okay, what did I not do? We know it's either what we did or what we didn't do. No, we, we just need to talk. Meet me at Starbucks. I'm sure they had their version of it back then. Could you imagine that conversation? Can you imagine? We need to talk what I do. Joseph, I'm pregnant. What? I'm pregnant. It's Zerubbabel, isn't it? I saw the way Zerubbabel was looking at you. It's him, isn't it? I'll punch him in the face. No, no, it's not Zerubbabel. It's not Zerubbabel. Who is it? It's God. Right. Oh, you got to remember. You got to remember. We romanticize it. Malachi is the last Bible, is the last book of the Old Testament. To get to the New Testament, Matthew 1, where we're reading, is 400 years. It's called the silent years. The reason why they call it the silent years is because nothing is recorded through a prophetic word or written word that anything God said. In other words, God was silent for 400 years. And then my girlfriend tells me Gabriel shows up at her house and that she's pregnant and it's from the Lord. Right. The Bible says that Joseph was a righteous man. Everybody say righteous. What does righteous mean? Here's the way I like to remember the word righteous. What does righteousness, righteousness mean? It means right choiceness. 
to, do, to make the right choice. Even when it's hard, to do the right thing is what righteousness means. It means when you're faced with a dilemma and you can either choose the easy way or the righteous way, that you choose the right way instead of the easy way. Are y'all checking with me so far? And so Joseph is a righteous man. He's going to do what's righteous. And then when it says he didn't want to expose her to the public, to public disgrace, meant this, that he could have, he had the right to, to take this complaint to the leaders of the church or the synagogue and say, hey, the woman that I'm betrothed to has been unfaithful. She's with child and we have not had relations whatsoever. And it could have been either one, stoning could have happened to Mary, or number two, she could have been abolished from the synagogue and the community and put to shame. And he did not want either one of those to happen to her. Joseph needs a hand clap of praise. I mean, just, way to go, Joe. I mean, just, just awesome. He didn't want to do, could you imagine Joseph getting on his end, getting ready of going, hey, where's Mary? Yeah, we broke up. What happened? It, it, y'all know how we, how we, have you ever broken up with anybody? And you didn't want to go, well, let me tell you. No, he, you just go, it, it was mutual. It's mutual. And so he's, he decides he's just going to do it quietly where nobody knows. And then the scripture goes on in, in Matthew 1 and 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. In a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Thank you, Lord. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet 700 years before. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, but knew her not, meaning they were not intimate, until she had given birth to the son, and he called his name Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but I don't, Heidi said this yesterday to me. She goes, I don't think we talk about Joseph and Mary. We only do it at Christmas time. We should talk about them more often. And I'm going, I agree with you, baby. Can we just give some props to Joseph and Mary, a young virgin girl? I want want you to think about a virgin, a young teenager, probably 14, 14, who had a love for God, and the angel shows up. They were married earlier in biblical days. Shows up, and the the Savior of the world is wrapped in a 14-year-old teenager. What does that say to us? That means sometimes God will show up wrapped in something that you don't recognize, and you won't receive it because it wasn't wrapped the way you thought it was going to be wrapped. So what do you do? Let's get practical. What do you do when life gives you some of these surprises? And you're going to get them. You're going to get things, the doctor's reports. You're going to get things. The business account didn't work. You're going to get surprises that it's going to throw you off kilter. And, and I, I want us to look at from Joseph's perspective and Mary's perspective. Victor's going to help me. I'm calling him out early, but it takes me, it's going to take me a little while. So what do you do with these life-altering surprises? What do we do? Can I show you number one? Let me give you three thoughts. Number one, trust and obey God. It's a good place for an amen. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Trust and obey. Oh, trust, trust and obey. That's right, right. Following Jesus is really not that complicated. Trust and obey. What do I do? Trust and obey. Is it, it sounds easy. Trust and obey. 
Even the scripture that we read about Joseph, he was considering these things. You've ever considered things? Well, you know, here's option A. I can take her to the synagogue. Option B is I can divorce her quietly. Uh, he, he's, 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 he's wondering what should he do next. Mary, when she gets the, the interview from Gabriel or the intervention from Gabriel, I'm sure she's thinking, what about Joseph? What about our plans? What about the wedding? We get surprises like this all the time. What about the downturn in the economy? What about our business? What's going to happen? We don't have enough work. The doctors report. The bank account is shrinking fast. Have you seen the price of Christmas trees? Dear Lord, what are we going to do? We lost the business account. What am I saying to you? Thank you, Joseph and Mary. They're preaching to us. Don't panic. Trust God and obey what he tells you to do. Just trust him. I know from my own life experience with Christ, there are times that you don't see his hand. You go, I don't know. I got this surprise. I don't know what we're going to do. But I know that I can trust his heart. So when you can't trust the hand, when you don't see the hand, you can always trust his heart. His heart is to only do what's best for you. We were, we were in the back earlier talking about interest rates. <laughs> if you're building a house, if you're buying a house, or now, thank the Lord, we're, we're, they said that they may be going down. And if you bought recently or built recently, you know, oh my word, oh my gosh. Heidi and I have been in that situation before. We're going, no, but the Lord told us. And if he told you, if you obey him, then it's the bigger miracles when he provides what you needed. You, when, you, when you can't see his hand, trust his heart. Mary's words to the angel who gave a message from God is the words that all of us should be able to say. Lord, I'm a servant. Let it be unto me according to your word. I've told you a thousand times through the years. So I'll make it a thousand and one. Nothing comes to you that doesn't first pass through the hand of God. Surprise. Now what do you do? You trust God. Trust him. Trust his heart. He only does good. He can only do good. He's got my best interests in mind. And if it's a surprise that looks like bad news, then that means he's going to do something else. Number two, seek direction and keep following. Trusting doesn't mean you don't need clarity. Mary gave us an example when the angel said, you're going to have a child. And she said, how can this be? I'm sure Joseph had all kinds of questions. Why, God? Why, God? Kevin just shared, Vic, he's going to be big. One day you're going, you, you ain't going to ask why. It's okay to ask God why. He is secure in who he is. He is not insecure. You can say, God, I don't understand this. And I'm mad about this. Oh, trust me, I've given God an earful a time or two. Why have you let this happen? Why, God? He doesn't, he doesn't mind you asking why. And we're living in some very dark days now. Economies and all kinds of things are happening in our world. Our culture is sliding further and further into darkness. And I know there are times, there are going to be moments where you're going to need to hear God's voice and you're going to need God's people. Let me say that again. You're going to need to hear God's voice and you're going to need God's people. We got a famous story that happened in this very building years ago, a few years ago, where a woman walked into church. She came into church, walked to the restroom, crying, walked into the sanctuary, walked back out of the sanctuary, crying, crying, walked back into the sanctuary for a moment, walked back out of the sanctuary, and then started walking for the exit door. And one of the mamas in the church got her and said, baby, where are you going? And, they, and she grabbed her. And she said, you just don't know all the things I've done. I can't go in there. And she said, baby, you're running the wrong way. 
That's the very place you need to be. Isn't it something about us? Yeah. Praise God. Something about us when things don't go our way or right or surprise, we end up running the wrong way. Look at me. This is a place for the broken. This is a place for those who are hurting. This is a place that you get the life-altering surprise in your life. And you need a word from God, and you need God's people standing around you. Can, can you say amen to that? Amen? Hi, William and I, I got a phone call probably, I don't know, it was two months ago. And it was, I had the name saved. But I didn't remember who he was. It's like, like I'm going, I see. Well, first of all, his name, he's old, he's from around here. And his name isn't really his name. I don't know if y'all know people like that. Like, you don't even know their name. You just know them by whatever everybody calls them. And I won't say his name, but it was an animal. I'll give you, for example, squirrel. How many of y'all know somebody named Squirrel? Anybody in here? Okay, some of you do. Y'all can know somebody named Squirrel. So Squirrel called me. Well, I didn't remember who Squirrel was. And he goes, Pastor. Yeah. Hey, Squirrel. Do you remember me? I said, help me. Well, you invited me to your church a long time ago, and I came for a couple Sundays back at the Delta Grand. I said, well, Squirrel, that was a long time ago. Where did I meet you? You met me, and he tells me where I met him at. And he said, I remember we talked. And I said, oh, oh, okay, that Squirrel. Yeah, I got you. I got you, Squirrel. I know exactly who you are. He said, I'm just worried. I'm just full. I'm just down. I'm discouraged. What's wrong, Squirrel? Well, I mean, I'm saved. I gave my life to the Lord. He knows the date. On this date, and he gave the date, he said, but I've never been baptized. And I just don't want something to happen to me if I'm not baptized. And I said, well, he said, will you baptize me? I said, squirrel, I'll bapt I've never baptized a squirrel, but I will now. <laughs> and he said, well, I'll pay you. I said, squirrel, how much? <laughs> it's Christmas time, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I said, squirrel, listen, uh, just take your wife on a date. How about that? Or, or give it to the church. You just, just do that. And he said, well, when, when can we do it? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I could wait till the next time y'all do a baptism. I, I don't know. I just can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I said, well, he said, can you come to my house and baptize me? I said, okay, let me look at my schedule. I said, tell you what, I'll come on Tuesday and I'll baptize. Because I got a horse trough out back and we'll just, I'll fill it up. And you can just baptize me in there. So. I grabbed William and said, William, come on. Where are we going? I'm going to baptize a squirrel. <laughs> what? And so we get there. And I says, squirrel, give me your testimony. He said, well, pastor, I'm ashamed to say this. I said, no, don't be ashamed to say it. It's your testimony. It's his story. It's history. Tell me the history. Tell me his story. He said, Pastor, I, I, I partied hard all my life. Drugs, alcohol, you name it. He said, I, I drink half a gallon of whiskey a day. He said, I, I wouldn't ever date women. I, it wasn't nothing. I'd have two or three women on, on, on the line all the time. Never one woman. Ruin, I ruined my marriage, and uh, I'm running. I was down, discouraged, out, just trying to numb the pain. And he said, uh, one day an old beat-up Lincoln Continental pulls up in my driveway. And the guy gets out. And I noticed, I recognized him. He was an old friend that I partied with. Root Squirrel at this time is, he's, he's probably in his 70s. Squirrel's like, get on up there. And uh, he said, a uh, friend pulls up and gets out of the car, his beat-up car, and he gets out. And it's one of the men that I used to run with for years, partying hard and chasing women. And he gets out and he regular clothes. And he said he was always dressed to the nines. 
And he always had a fancy car, always shined up, always looked like he had it going on. And he gets out, and he's just normal. And I walked out and said, hey, I'll call him Bob. Hey, Bob, good to see you. How you been? And Bob's smiling from ear to ear and said, I've never been better in my life. Man, well, what would you get this old car? Oh, don't worry about it. I've never been better in my life. And he said, we, we discussed some business, and I told him I could help him. And he said, well, I'll, show, I'll come back tomorrow. We'll get to work. I said, that'd be great. I said, hey, before you go, hey, let's sit down. Let's have a drink. He said, well, I'll sit down with you, but I'll just take some water. What? what? What's going on? Oh, nothing. Go ahead. He said, I poured my whiskey. I drank, and he just drank his water, and we talked and laughed, and he just had this smile on his face. Next day, he shows up. We worked all day. He's smiling. He's happy, joyful. And I'm just going, what is the deal with him? After work, I said, hey, let's have a drink. Then I'll just have some water. And we talked and laughed and visited. Next day, he shows up to work. We get up to work. Same thing, day after day after day after day. And it's bothering me. Why is he happy? What's going on with him? Why is he so happy? He drives an old beat-up car, doesn't have the fancy clothes he used to have. Why is he happy? He said, after about two months of this going on, finally, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I just leaned over and said, what's going on with you? He said, what are you talking about? No, no, something's wrong with you. What do you mean? You don't drink anymore? You don't cuss anymore? And you got that smile on your face all the time. And you're happy. What's wrong with you? And he said, I've been praying that you would ask me that question. Y'all know what he said, don't you? I found Jesus. And he said, when he said Jesus, I broke. And he said, I started bawling like a baby. He said, Pastor, it was as if all of the weight of those years that had been on me, in one instant we prayed together, and I asked God to forgive me of my sin and come into my heart, and it was lifted off of me in one second. He said, I could have run around the house 20 times. I was forgiven of everything I've ever done. Then he looked over at me and said, Squirrel, look at me. You don't have to give up anything that you're doing. He's like, I don't? Nope. Just keep following him. One day, he'll take all those things from you. You don't have to give it to him. He'll take them from you. Just keep he said, Pastor, I still drink my whiskey every night. Till one day I walked in and said to my wife, she was there, I'm done. And he took it away from me. I was on opioids, on the painkillers. I went out and said, I'm done with it. I locked myself in the barn for five days. And I told my neighbors, don't come get me out. I'm getting clean. And he said, for five days, he said, I sat in a barn. And just about the time I thought I was going to kill myself, my little granddaughter come over, knocked on the barn door, and said, Papa, would you push me? She was learning how to ride a bike. Would you push me on my bicycle? And he said, that kept me from doing something stupid. And he said, so today I've been opioid-free haven't been drunk for a year. He named the number of years, five, six, seven years, seven years, all because of Jesus. Now, when I baptized him, I held him down a little bit longer than normal <laughs> just to make sure we got all everything off of it. Why am I saying this to you? Look at me. Seek his direction and keep following. Jesus doesn't want you to clean yourself up and come to him. 
He just wants you to come as you are. He'll do the cleaning up himself. Don't ever forget that, church. Listen, if you're born again, don't ever forget that. You, you forget that along the way. Listen to me. Seek direction. Keep following. Don't stop following. Get in the right place. You need, God, you need God's word, and you need God's people. And I want to show you something, wisdom. If you're in a surprise situation right now, and I know some of you are, I, you just need the wisdom of God, right? You, you need Joseph. The Joseph's, you need, you need that dream in the middle of the night to go, it's okay, Joseph! What's happening to Mary is from God. You just need that clarity. You know what James says? Because now we have the Holy Spirit, right? Watch what James says, and I want to clarify this to you. If any of you lacks wisdom, like you lack it, I don't know what to do. I need wisdom. What does he say? Let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's normally where we stop reading. Oh, just ask God and he'll give you wisdom. But read on. But let him ask in. Oh, this is important. You ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Next portion. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Let me translate it for you. Because go back to the first part, if you could, James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Ask in faith, not in doubt. What does that mean? Ask in faith, but not in doubt. Let me, let me apolusisize it for you. In other words, you have to ask this way. Lord, I need wisdom. And I'll do whatever you tell me to do. No, no, I want to show you the nuance. Lord, show me what you want me to do so I can decide whether I'll do it. Ooh. No, no, let's be honest. All of us have asked God, God, what should I do? Because you really want to see what he says and then you want to decide. James is telling us, if that's where you're at, you will not hear anything from God. But faith says, Lord, I trust you. You're good and you only do good and you know what's best for me. So whatever you say, I'll do it. Then he says, then God will speak to you generously and tell you exactly what you need to do. Are you checking with me? Oh, there's a, there's, a, there's a story in the scripture of a centurion, uh, a Roman centurion, who came to Jesus and said, you just say the word, whatever you say, Jesus, will happen. I'm a man under, I'm a man under authority. They tell me what to do, and I do it. I'm a man in authority. I tell others what to do, and they do it. I can see you're that kind of man. You just say the word, and it will be done. Jesus said, I'm amazed. I've not seen such faith in all of Israel. Seek direction, decide, I'll do whatever God tells me to do. And then when he tells you, you do it. Let me give you number three. Believe this. Believe that God has a bigger plan. All the surprises that come through life. Oh, baby. Ah! Doctor's report. Oh, no. Layoffs. Ah! I wasn't expecting this. When you get the surprise... Believe that God has a bigger plan. I've, I've had the honor to be in some of the most difficult situations in people's lives. It's usually a death, loss, destruction, shattering surprises. And you don't always have the answer. Sometimes you don't know what to say, and sometimes there's nothing you can say. But Joseph and Mary are preaching to us today. They're letting us know that you can trust this God. And that he really is sovereign. Everybody say sovereign. That's a theological word. Sovereign. What does sovereign mean? It means that God is all-knowing and powerful and can do anything. And everything he does has purpose and is good. Ooh, let me read it again. All-knowing and powerful. He can do anything. And everything he does has purpose and is good. Even the bad surprises that come, 
He said, I'll take what was evil and turn it around for good. Caesar Augustus. Caesar. Yeah. You, you know, Joseph and Mary are not just in Israel. They're in Israel, but under Roman rule. They are in occupied territory. That would be if China occupied us. Things would be different. That's what the rule that they're under. Caesar is 1,500 mile, miles away. He is the, the supreme ruler, largest, the most powerful man in the world. In fact, he thinks he's so powerful. He, he is worshipped as a god, Caesar Augustus of Rome. He's wicked, and he's full of pride. And he thinks he, he is the supreme being on face of the earth. But God is going to use his pride against him. How many of you know Roman ruler is nothing for God? He's gonna, God's going to put a thought in Caesar Augustus' mind and use his ego against him. He's going to say, how powerful are you? And he goes, you know what? I want everybody under my kingdom all the way from Britannia, which is now like England, all the way from there, all the way through, uh, through Africa. He goes, I want, I, want, I want to do a census. I want to know how many people are under my huge, wonderful, marvelous rule. I want everybody to go to their city of origin and do a census so I can count how many people are under my thumb. <laughs> 1,500 miles away, Joseph, son of David, has to take Mary to register in Bethlehem just so the prophecy can be fulfilled. Those magi Kevin was talking about, because there's a star going to be above Bethlehem and the birth. What am I saying to you? When you get the surprise, it means this sovereign God is already ahead of you. And he is working. He can work in the heart of the most egomanical boss you've ever had. He can work in his heart. The Bible says that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He is working it out for your good and on your behalf, even if you got the bad surprise this morning. you got to know that. And believe it in Jesus' name. Do you receive that today? He's got the whole world in his hands. He owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He is ahead of you. He's not behind you. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And he is sovereign. Can we give him praise this morning? Thank you, Lord. Trust God. Obey him. Seek direction. Keep following. Believe that God has a bigger plan. I want to encourage you with those words today. In fact, I want to pray for you now. Would you just bow your heads with me? Maybe that's you today, and you go, I've just got surprised. Would you just lift your hands to heaven if you did? Just go, I, just, I need this word. Father, I pray that today, the word of the Lord, thank you for Joseph and Mary. Thank you for, for their, the example that they led, that we can trust you, that you are sovereign, and that you are working things out for our best good. Even when we got the surprise that came through your hand that we were not expecting, Lord, we know that your hand is still working and that you allowed it to happen. And so, Father, now would you just add faith to your people with be encouraged and not discouraged that you're working everything out for their good. Now, Christian, would you just begin to pray now? Just pray for the lost in our room right now. Because maybe you're here today and you're like squirrel. Oh, you got a history. And you're like squirrel. You're wondering why people of faith have been so happy. And that even today was ordained that you'd be sitting in this very room hearing squirrel's story, his testimony. It's God's testimony. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. He loves you. And he would send his son wrapped in a virgin Mary to be born, raised, lived, 
without sin to give us life on a cross to pay for the penalty of our sins, yours and mine. Squirrel finally understood that. And maybe today you understand it too, that he's here today to take away everything you've ever done, to lift that weight that's off of you, that's been pressuring you for years of regret, pain, sin. Would you just give it to him? If you'll give him your sin, he'll give you his righteousness. Yeah, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. What did you do to deserve it? Nothing. You can't deserve it. You can't earn it. It's called grace, and he's full of grace. So today, if you're ready to be born again, to give your life over to Jesus, to be born again, to let him become the one that lives inside of you. He'll come and he'll live inside you and he'll give you the grace you need to follow him. And if that's you today and you're ready to be born again, I want to pray with you right now. All I ask, this is it, if you would just flip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me, I'm ready to be born again today. Hold your hand up right now. Hold it up high. Thank you. Thank you. Hands are going up all over the building. Hold it up high. Don't be ashamed. He's not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of you. I see your hands. Hands are all over the building. In congregation, can we add our faith to theirs? Just pray this. Mean this from your heart. Would you just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I've done some things I really regret, and I need your forgiveness. So forgive me of my sin. Would you come into my heart? I'm making you the Lord of my life. I want to serve you. I want to follow you. I'm trusting you. I'm going to obey you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for me and raising from the dead so I could raise from the dead too. I receive you today. In Jesus' name. Can we give God all the praise for that? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's do that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. I, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Heidi and I do. We're, well, I guess we'll see you one more day. Don't what time? Eight, nine. You guys are really good. We'll put it out on social media. If you don't mind sharing it, we'd appreciate that. Let me pray a blessing over you. If you prayed to receive Christ, if you raise your hand, our prayer team is going to be up front. One last thing. Would you just walk up front so that we can pray with you just for a second? It takes two minutes. Do that for me. Let me bless you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. And you're going out to your coming in again. May all that you set your hands to, seeking first the kingdom of God, may he bless it and prosper it. And I bless you in the name of the Father, his Son, Jesus, and the all-abiding Holy Spirit. And you just say, I receive that. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday, 8, 9, or 11.